I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up. Good morning. Morning. How are you today? I'm tired, mm-hmm. but that's because it's early. 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 Otherwise, I'm good. Hope everybody else is doing well. Mm-hmm. How are you, Lucy? Lucy's here. She's our dog. She doesn't do much during this time. She just tries to knock over the recording devices. Maybe she tries to burrow under the books, but hopefully she's not going to cause any problems today. We are reading through a book of the... Not a book. Chapter. <laughs> I always say Chapter that. of... Of the Bible. And we are in the book of Acts. We are on chapter 17. And we are continuing um, the journey. Is this Paul's first... The, we call this his first missionary journey? This will be his second oh, one. Oh, this is the second one. Okay. Yeah, so the first one is where he went to... Uh, the island of it's not Crete, right? Mm, why, sure. am I, why am I? Why am I? I don't know. And then he I, went. And then he went into Pamphos, and then me. up to Pisidian Antioch, and then Lystra, Derby. Did you mean Cyprus? Back. Cyprus, okay. I did. Yeah, okay. Crete is, I believe, different. It is, well, it's, it's it, is old, it is different. I don't have to believe it's different. Yeah. It is different whether or not you believe yeah, it is yeah. or not. Yes, there we go. Crete is south of Greece. Second missionary journey says in this Bible here, AD 49 through 52 approximately. So that's where we're at. And let's get started with chapter 17, verse 1. Aren't we in 18? Oh my goodness, you're right. Yeah, we're in 18. I flipped back to look at my map. Good thing you caught me. We've done Thessalonica. Here we go. Okay, please. 18 in Corinth. Let's not not get off track. All right. Good morning. Chapter 18. Well, now on this page, it says Paul's third missionary journey. Well, we'll get to that. Oh, okay, okay. All right. There's maps all over in my book. after the second. If you're new to the, if you're a new listener, then you might not know, but I'm using the Concordia Self-Study Bible, NIV 84, and it's got all these handy little maps in it, and when I wake up, I just, we start this podcast, and I don't, we're totally authentic here, we have not prepped for this, this is just how we normally would wake up and study the Bible, and I will just ask questions as they come to me, none of these are planned, it's all candid, and so if I'm surprised by a map in my Bible, that's why, because I just opened up to this. To be clear, normally when I do Bible studies <laughs> or do sermons, I do prepare for right. them. I, I, mean, I take some time. What we have been doing what is we, are we doing get up and we read the Bible together, and Correct. it's a conversation, Correct. very casual. Correct. We don't come with questions. We just see what where everything takes us, and we thought that, se- that seemed like a good idea to share because it's something you could do at home. You don't have to, you know, have a bunch of questions written out and, you know, st- study guides and things all handy. You can just sit down and read the Bible and then come up with questions as you come to them. And if you don't live with a pastor, just email those questions to a pastor. Mm-hmm. 
And that's just that simple. Bible studies don't have to be hard. I mean, private private Bible reflection, I guess. Obviously, you prepare your Bible studies and questions. Uh, I'm At sorry, I didn't church. mean to imply. You're very defensive you, in the morning. You were suggesting I didn't. Okay, let's just do get that. Started. I'm just let's okay. Yeah, it's been a while. All right. Okay, chapter eighteen, verse one. In Corinth, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. All right, before we go into verse 5, mm-hmm. um, we just... Yesterday, or I should say last episode, because I don't know when people will be listening to this, but last episode we talked about how he was in Athens, and that's where people really were open to talking about things, and he would meet with them, and their square, or where... Yeah, the Areopagus would be where... People would come with new ideas to debate. They love to debate new ideas and talk openly. And this was not a place where he got, he did not get chased out or stoned or threatened. He had good conversations. Some sneered at him, but others wanted to talk to him more. So he just ended up leaving, not because he had to, but because that's where the journey was taking him. Yeah, that's where our democracy comes from, is from Greek. (laughs) It is. Are you trying to start a tangent? This I'm is... not starting a tangent. I'm just saying the the people of Athens. This is it a tangent. Re- they, it may be a tangent. This is but nothing they drove... to do okay. with this. Okay. okay. So then I'm just saying that the last, the last place he was in, he was not threatened. And here it just says Paul left Athens. It doesn't mention... Oh, well, there we go. In the next verse, it will mention Silas and Timothy. But he, when he goes to Corinth, we hear for the first time in Acts, I believe, about him being a tent maker. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that for a second? You may go on a tangent about tent making. I don't know anything about <laughs> tent making, but Paul supplemented his... The, financing his journey by being a tent maker we see that here so there's going to be some financial support he will receive from the church in philippi we we read that in his letters to the different churches and he'll get some money here as a tent maker he might have received some money as well when he's sent off from his church in antioch but the apostle paul did not pay or was did not charge when he went to these synagogues for him to preach the word of god so so when he's traveling around trying to like buy food he doesn't really he's kind of depending on the believers to offer him a food offer him a place to stay but if he comes to a place where he's maybe not well received or people aren't you know as willing to keep him in or his journey gets delayed a couple days he might not have 
you know, enough funding from the public or from his church to go by. So he does this to supplement his income, and mm-hmm. to stay afloat. So it says he's, he's in the synagogues every Sabbath, which would be Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. But during the week, he's possibly working or helping out with other people, like in this case, tent makers. Yeah, and sometimes now when we send missionaries, especially domestic, into different areas, if there's not a large enough congregation there to support a full-time pastor, sometimes they will get a job on the side in order, and we call it a tent ministry. Mm -hmm. So they will work part-time so they can earn a living for their family, and then part of the time they will serve as a pastor, which is not ideal because being a pastor is full-time, but sometimes it's what you have to do. Yeah, ideally you would only be focused on um, your church and serving your members and doing those things, and that's why... Um, you know, tent making is not like, and when I say that, I mean having any job, having a tent ministry, having a part-time job is not something most Wells pastors do because we strive to, in our churches, make that us, you know, the main goal is to have our, the pastors be supported so that they can give a hundred percent of their time to their church, not, oh, I, I can't you know, whatever, call you back or visit you in the hospital because I'm working at, you know, Target or something, mm-hmm. you know. You're, and some churches do allow their pastors to have other jobs, um, but that's just not something that's common in our church, you know. Yeah. So, anyways, just thought that was worth mentioning because it's the first time it comes up here. All right, verse 5. We'll hear about the other people here. I see. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So, that's kind of sad. I mean... It is what it is. I guess not sad, but sad for those Jews. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not as if if a Jewish person came up to him and said, what are you teaching? That Paul wouldn't take the time to do this, but his work reasoning in all of these synagogues is not producing the results that he's receiving by spreading the word to everyone. And so the, is he speaking um about all cities or is just whenever he comes to Corinth he's not gonna come to them? I we'll see as we go through this if he continues to go to the synagogues or not as the first place. I believe he still does that. So maybe so it could maybe, just be this specific group of Jews. Yeah, we'll have to see as we go through. Okay. I just, I don't remember offhand okay. whether or not. And then it says when Silas and Timothy came, he devoted himself exclusively to preaching. So maybe now that they're there, they have jobs 
and are they're all kind of like pooling their money together to support or they might have brought a gift mm. from another congregation to so he didn't be able to support to them. Go work with his friends. Okay. Verse 7. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God, Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. While Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to the Jews, If you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names in your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be the judge of such things. So he had them injected from the court. Then they all turned on Sophenes, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. But Gallio showed no concern whatever. This is a story I do not recall hearing. <laughs> I keep coming across those in Acts. Maybe I hear them and I just kind of, they don't stick, but I don't, don't well, remember the synagogue ruler getting beat up outside the court. He doesn't know all of these things and names and the the greek ruler oh galio yeah and they're referring to the names probably in hebrew or you know grecian and he probably looks at it from a greek point of view well it does sound like there's lots of gods it's like he's persuading people to worship god in ways contrary to the law there's no greek laws about worshiping the Hebrew God, you know, so it's not gonna, or I should say Roman, right? No, Roman so, Greek law. Yeah. No, there would still be Greek gods. No, I not. said there's no laws. There's mm. no Roman laws about this, so it doesn't. He's, well, be like someone saying like he's telling me to whatever color this picture the wrong way. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that's your own idea or whatever you know it's not a law and it doesn't pertain to the safety of my country so why should i you know care about this yeah so, so if they beat up the synagogue ruler no that just probably, seems a little unnecessary well, he probably looked at that as okay hopefully that solved the problem that's the guy that was in charge of allowing ideas to be dispersed there so he's the church. guy who's allowing paul to speak at the synagogue yeah okay. so oh all right well they took out justice, they handled it, and hopefully that'll be the end of it. Hmm. Because, as, I mean, the the Romans did not want to get involved in religions. Yeah. They, you know, they didn't want to, they said, okay, you can rule, but, you can have your religion, but you can't do this. You, you can't kill people. You have to still pay taxes so 
yeah, it's... Hmm. He, he just stays out of it. Yeah. Alright, next section is called Priscilla, Aquila, and Apollos, starting at verse 18. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Centria because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man and th- had thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote, wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by, the grace, by grace believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving them from scripture that Jesus was the Christ. Sorry, I stumbled on a lot of words in there. Names and places. Always kind of push through. Try not to dwell on it, but... So, going back to Paul cutting his hair okay. in Corinth. Uh, or at, it says at Centuria. Which is just outside of Corinth. Oh, okay. It's, I think it's the port city, isn't it? Isn't that what your map says? I will look. I remember it. I will look. But anyway, it seems that Paul may have taken the Nazarene vow. So, huh. to not cut his hair, to not drink any alcohol, and to... After uh, he came to faith. I don't know. He, uh, he could have, as a that Pharisee, he could have... And other people could have taken the vow for a certain amount of time. Oh, okay. There, there's people that were set aside yeah. that would never do this, such as... Uh, Samson was not supposed to do this, and you mean you mean he was not supposed to cut his hair? He's not supposed to cut his hair. Samson was not supposed to go near the dead, and he was not supposed to drink any alcohol. And actually, had somebody call me out on this because I talked about Samson in a Bible study that I believe that he broke the Nazarene vow by going near the carcass of the lion. However, they said, no, that does not apply to dead animals. And they were right. I looked up the Hebrew, and hmm. the term for dead flesh is only talking about humans, not about animals. So, at least hmm. in that story. But I, I bring okay. that up that, again, I am fallible, I can make mistakes. So, the Nazarene law is one from 
Leviticus. Leviticus. Uh, and yeah. it's a way of setting people apart for service to God. The most famous Nazarene that we hear about is Samson. Not every Nazarene gets superhuman strength, though. No. Most, actually, everyone except for Samson <laughs> didn't. Right. So that was just a way to kind of, what, show your commitment to God? Okay. Yeah, it was a way. Kind of maybe, like, would it be comparative to, to like, being a monk and taking, like, a vow of silence for some time or going away to a monastery, you know, like, doing something kind of drastic to show your commitment to your faith? Well, there's there's going to be a movement about that in the church of this asceticism where you're, you're going to give up everything for God. Paul's, Paul's not saying that, that you should leave the world completely. But the, the Nazarene vow was more to really get control over your body and actions so that you can serve God and focus on the Lord and not drinking alcohol and not cutting your hair which at that time a long hair for a male was not at least for the Jewish people not always uh, a natural thing for them in the book of Corinthians it talks about that as well that um i think we should be saying nazarite not nazarene oh i'm sorry that's just nazarite Hmm. correct and the note i see here in my book it says grammatically this could be referring to aquila or paul paul is more probable but one of them Ended a vow. Vows were taken to express thanks for deliverance from grave dangers from time to time. So it could be that, or it said it was probably a temporary Nazarite vow. So, hmm. so anyways, okay. He got his hair. He's moving on. He, he went to Antioch, all these places. Then we get into the story about Apollos. A Jew named Apollos, which is a little confusing to me. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, it says in verse 25, mm-hmm. and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. Mm-hmm. So if he only knew the baptism of John, then how would, how can you also say he was instructed in the way of the Lord? Well, he might have known the life of Jesus and he knew about John and how John was baptizing people. But he may not have met with a disciple before that talked about baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit that takes place in Galilee after Jesus rises from the dead Mm. when he tells them to do that. So he does not have the complete set of information right. now Apollos is going to be a very prominent figure figure in Corinth and the Apostle Paul is going to have to in Corinth mm-hmm. oh, okay. he's going to have to talk about how he's 
he's fine that yes, Apollos is, is a Ephesus. great teacher there. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ephesus is one of the major port cities mm-hmm. that's there. And it seems to be where actually John, uh, John who was at the cross and who took care of Mary, uh, ended wrote, up settling. Who wrote John? And wrote John. Yeah, okay. ends up settling. But it's going to be a place that is a huge center for the church. Mm-hmm. And on his third missionary journey, Paul's going to come through and have all these elders that are appointed. But being having that much Christian or that strong of a church in this major port city meant that when people traveled through there, they'd have an opportunity to hear God's word. And then they'd leave to all different parts of the world carrying God's word with them. So, so he, he knew a lot about the Bible. He was... Uh, maybe a disciple of John the Baptist and he when he was preaching Priscilla and Aquila explained God more thoroughly so they kind of converted him to Christianity I, I don't know that he was a disciple of John the Baptist it just seems that he hadn't had the whole New Testament revealed to him all of the information Okay. But what he did know about Jesus, he believed. And then when he heard more, he believed. We just have a thirst for knowledge about God and his word. And he was a very intelligent person. Um, some people think he actually is the one that wrote the book of Hebrews. Hmm. Stop. I have to go <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, the girls are up. I guess that's we'll, a good time uh, for us to stop. Okay, we'll go. Okay, well, go ahead. Go have ahead. a good morning. All right, we will pick up with chapter 19 tomorrow. Oh, bye. Bye. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura wake up.